You're listening to audio from Redemption Church of Houston. We are a people who believe that Jesus has invited everyone into his radically inclusive, world-altering way of love. That means that when we gather on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or in homes throughout the week, you are welcome here. Regardless of your social status, gender, race, sexual orientation, or politics, we want you to fully and actually join, grow, worship, and serve with us. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, Jesus invites you into his radical love just the way you are. And so do we. I am curious, how are you feeling about 2024? Right? We've gotten a taste of 2024, right? Um, how are we feeling about it? Mm. Um, are you motivated to achieve new goals? Like, are you feeling inspired to, like, try new things? Are you overwhelmed? Are you exhausted? Maybe just kind of feeling indifferent, maybe numb to a lot of things? I want to share something with us this morning that, um, on the face of it, might seem hollow, but if we let it, I think it can really speak life into us. We don't need 2024 to go a certain way for us to be okay. What do I mean by that? Um, I'm glad you asked. So there's this ancient practice called lament. And what lament shows us and invites us into is that no matter what comes our way, no matter what happens, no matter what heartache or grief or trial or no matter what it is, um, there is a process through which we can like move through all that pain, we can heal, we can grow, and we can actually become the kind of people that God invites us to be. Now, don't get me wrong, right? I'm not saying that any of us are gonna be perfect or that we're gonna have it all put together or that we are going to... Um, just feel positive emotions all the time. But we can, no matter what happens this year, we can be regularly reminded in our inner being that things are going to be okay, right? That, that God is good, that God is with us, that God is making all things new. and that we can actually trust him to take care of us. Now, here's the thing, right? This is really what I'm trying to to get at here. We can experience all of that. We can be reminded of all that and be actually anchored in all of that um, right in the midst of our pain and our doubt, right? So we don't need all of our, our sorrows to like kind of go past us before we can do this. We don't need things to go better. We don't need... Um, 2024 to go any kind of certain way. We don't need things to start looking more promising. We can experience this right here, right now, right in the midst of the pain. Um, And that's like really good news, 
right? This is the good news of lament, um, is that we actually have access to the source of life no matter what it is we are going through. There's a way we can engage with God meaningfully and really find life in him and experience his goodness. Um, I think this is extremely helpful as we are still processing the, the global pandemic all of us have been through, and, and it's still just ongoing aftermath in our lives. Um, there's uh, a short book that N.T. Wright wrote um, a couple years ago, right, called, or two or three years ago now, um, called God in the Pandemic. And, and in this really short book, he starts talking through all this, and he, um, he talks about how um, ancient people um, knew what to do with times like this, right? That people who lived in the ancient world long, long, long time ago, um, they were very acquainted with suffering. They just knew what, like, suffering was like. Not, not the kind of suffering where you're like, oh, let's just give it a couple of years and then we'll finally get a little better, but the kind of suffering that lingers, the kind of suffering that's just here, that you can't heal, you can't fix, there's not a cure for, you can't fix, it's just gonna be around and be here. That ancient people were very familiar with this in their life, so they knew what to do with suffering. They knew how to navigate through it. Um, it's we in the, uh, it's, it's us today in the modern world who struggle with this, who have a hard time knowing how to cope with this kind of suffering, with lasting suffering. Um, we, we struggle a lot of times to, to find the inner resources within us to know how do I cope with this? What do I do with this? How do I make it through this? Um, and as, 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 as N.T. Wright talks through all this, right, he inevitably kind of gets to lament. And he spends a lot of time really kind of unpacking this, this tool that's really here, this practice that's available to God's people. And I just think it's um, actually really helpful. Uh, so what we're gonna do today is, if you haven't figured it out yet, is we're gonna talk about lament. I want us to really dive into it, and I really want this to be, um, right, not just like heavy and depressing. Like, I want this to be um, kind of life-giving to us, actually. I want it to um, maybe give us a different way to look forward to this, this next year. Um, so lament, right? I'm going to talk a lot about lament. I'm going to be teaching on lament. Um, but this is not, this topic here is not a like an academic thing for me. This is not a, just something I love reading about, although as anyone who knows me knows, I love to read and love to think, and so I do all that. But this is like really personal for me, right? Like I'm not gonna go into all of my personal story here this morning, but like there's some really hard things I've been through in my life, and I've gone to some pretty dark places internally and have really had to figure out how do I, what do I do with all this? How do I handle this? And so a lot of what I'm gonna be going through here today um, is kind of a natural kind of sermon for me to give, that this is something very personal for me. So um, I just want to invite you guys to jump in with me and to kind of enter in. So lament is this, um, it's almost like this secret ingredient that like we didn't even know we'd been missing. Like it's there, it's right in front of us, um, and yet we're, we just don't even think about doing it lots of times. It, we're not familiar with the practice of it, and what it looks like. And maybe if we do think we know how to lament, um, sometimes we miss the full entire scope of it and the entire process. Um, and so I'm just gonna walk us through um, a psalm of lament this morning to kind of just show us what it looks like. Um, so to get us oriented here with lament. Um, lament, um, I love this definition here by 
uh, Mark Vrogop in his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. He defines lament this way, a prayer in pain that leads to trust. A prayer in pain that leads to trust. Um, If any of you are wanting to dive deeper into any of the things I'm talking about today, this is a great book and resource, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy by Mark Vrogop, and he he just really helpfully explains what lament is and walks through a lot of different types of laments in the Bible and a lot of different lament psalms and the variety of laments there are and a lot of that. So today, we're just going to focus on one lament psalm. Um, If you want to dive deeper, um, check out that book. Um, Lament is basically a prayer language for, like, how do I talk to God about my pain, right? How do I, like, come to him with it? So lament is not just complaining. Lament is not just crying and having tears. Um, Lament is figuring out, like, how do I take all of that and bring it to God somehow? So lament just, like, leads us and guides us into that. So um, I, I still find it fascinating how just unfamiliar so many of us are with lament. Um, and so it's worth just kind of pointing out, I think, that um, we're, we're going to be in Psalm 13 this morning. That's the text we're about to get to. Um, so there are these 150 psalms in the Old Testament, right? The psalms are like the official songbook, basically, of the Bible. Um, at least a third of those psalms are lament, Like, think about that. That's a lot. A third, like one out of three, basically, of the 150 psalms are some form of lament. When you add to that, um, right, if you really, like, start to see that within the psalms, lament is the most common genre of psalm. It's, It's the most common form we have in the Old Testament. It's all over the place. Um, when you add to that the book of Lamentations, uh, statements that Jeremiah makes elsewhere in the Old Testament, and then most poignantly of all, you get the book of Job. When you start adding all this together, you start to see, oh, wait, maybe lament is more common among God's people than maybe we've realized or thought or experienced. Um, but right, even above and beyond all of that, even like more than importantly than all of that, we see that Jesus himself lamented. And I think what Jesus is really doing is showing us what it means to be human, right? What it means to be like truly, healthily, God-glorifyingly human. Um, we'll get to Jesus and lament here in a bit. Um, okay, so lament, there, there's a basic pattern to it of how it works. Uh, not every single lament you'll see in the Bible follows this exact pattern every time, but in general, when you look at all of them, you'll see these categories in this rhythm. There's four parts to it. There's a turn, like a turning to God, complaint, request, and then trust. And this four-part rhythm leads us through pain to a place of trust. And this trust in God, um, it actually does something, right? This practice of lament is, is productive. It's, it's producing something in us. Um, it's anchoring our souls and producing really important qualities in us, um, helping us, I think, be the kinds of people we really want to be. Um, lament, in case you're wondering, um, 
is not just for people who are like melancholy and get kind of depressed. Um, lament is actually for all of us because all of us suffer, right? So to be human is to suffer. Uh, whether we are very tuned into that for ourselves or not, like that really is true. And so we all need this, this language of how to bring our suffering and our hurt to God. Um, we don't need to engage in what Brene Brown calls comparative suffering, right? Where we compare our suffering to other people's and say, well, other people have it way worse than I do, so I, I, I don't really suffer, right? What happens is we minimize and discount our own suffering. And when we do that, I don't think it actually helps us love our neighbors very well. When we are disengaged from our own suffering, I think it really keeps us from being able to enter in with other people and their suffering. Uh, so it's really helpful for us to realize all of us suffer. We all need to learn how to lament. We all need to learn how to like, build up this muscle because um, it's not a natural thing for us to do. It's not a natural move. So this is for all of us. We're going to walk through Psalm 13 this morning as a model for us of how to do this. Um, and there's a couple of different lenses, a couple of different ways um, I want to invite us to look at it from. One is just to see how lament can like shape and reimagine our prayers, right? How it can um, transform our inner lives that way. Uh, but there's another aspect of this too. I also want us to consider how lament can shape and reimagine our conversations with each other. Um, like how we support each other during hard times in a way that actually helps us move toward God. Um, we'll, we'll get to more of that here in a bit, but I want us to like kind of um, just imagine those two lenses, our prayer lives, but also our conversations with each other. Okay, so Psalm 13, let's go ahead and go there. Um, I really loved it last week when uh, Reverend Chris had us all stand up to, to read scriptures. I'm gonna do that again. Let's all, let's all get up. Um, I love this so much. So hear the word of the Lord, Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Okay, you can be seated. Okay, so let's just walk through this psalm here together. We're gonna start here with just the first two verses. Right, how long? How long, O oh Lord? So immediately, right, what happens? Right, there's no like, casual intro into this. There's no ramp up to this. It's just right away out of the gate. You get this direct address to God. How long? How long, O oh Lord? So right away, this might seem really obvious, 
Um, but it kind of helps, I think, to slow down and notice it. Um, this is a turning to God, right? This is not just a general crying out, a general complaint of some kind. This is not just hurting. This is hurting towards God, with God, bringing all that to him. It's a turning towards God. And the very act of doing that is an act of faith. Even if we don't know where we're going to go from there, even if we don't know what else we're going to pray next, just bringing the honest, real question to God is itself faith. Um, This is not a natural move for us, right? So all of us, when we're encountered with with our hurt and our pain and our suffering, um, we have other default moves, right? Like by default, we are going to either blame other people or we're going to go inward with it and blame and shame ourselves. Um, We are going to either try to control things to make things better somehow, or we're going to just escape and get away from all this. Um, We have other ways that we just by nature will will deal with our pain. Um, This right here is not a default move. It's only something that when God is working in us and and there's some level of faith happening, we're going to choose a different path. We are going to turn to God in our pain, right? So in in the most basic sense, um, what lament is just doing is inviting us and empowering us. It's helping us learn how to do this, to, to enter in, to enter in with God in our pain, um, it, it the practice of lament, as we start doing it over and over and over again, it starts to train our heart to turn towards God, um, to keep talking to him. To, no matter what it is that's going on, no matter how long it's going on, no matter just how exhausted we're getting by it, no matter what it, we're gonna, I'm going to keep talking to God about this. I'm going to somehow find a way to keep talking to him. I'm going to figure out how to not just resign in my silence about it all, I'm going to somehow keep talking. That's what lament is doing. It's giving us a language and a framework for how do I do that. Um, And so then we move to this second turn, the second um, part of lament, which is complaint, right? So in the first two verses of Psalm 13, we see these four questions, right? How long, right? Will you forgive me forever, Lord? Will you, how long will you hide your face from me? How long will I have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Um, So it's taking, the the psalmist here, David, is taking his pain, and he is basically bringing some kind of complaint to God. Um, These aren't just questions. These are like, God, where where are you? What's going on here? I I thought you cared about me. I thought you loved me. I thought you were, and and there's a complaint here. And um, this is hard. I think this makes some of us really uncomfortable. Um, right? It, kinda, it begs the question, is God really okay with us complaining? Like, doesn't this annoy him? <laughs> Isn't he just like, okay, I'm kind of, I'll, I'll let you do this. I'll let you kind of do your thing here, but I'm just kind of waiting until you'll finally just trust me and worship me and just actually do what I'm telling you to do. Right? Isn't this like disappointing to him that we would need to do this? 
Maybe for some of us, we think he's going to get angry with us if we, if we really are really honest with him. If, we're, if, if with gut-wrenching honesty, we bring our complaints to him. So a lot of us are going to assume what God feels towards us. And a lot of that has to do with like the earliest relationships in our lives. And we, we learned from our childhood relationships a lot of things that tends to color how we see God and how we experience him. And that is really normal. Uh, so many of us have layers um, to this that can make this hard. But what lament is showing us, what lament is doing here, is it is, is God on a megaphone saying, I welcome your complaints. I welcome your pain. I welcome the things that you are going through and your real doubt and real questions that you have. I welcome them. Not only will I tolerate, not only do I tolerate them, I I like move towards you and provide language for you to do it, right? God is actually moving towards us to ask us and to invite us into doing this, um, right? It's not that God, um, it's not that he likes us hurting. It's not that he like rejoices in our pain at all, but God wants to be with us in our pain, and this is mind-blowing to me. This is hard to get my head around, if I'm being honest. Um, God wants to be with us in our complaints, in our questions, in our hurt. He wants to meet us in it. Um, can we talk about emotions for a minute? Right, we see here in verse two, how long must I have sorrow in my heart all the day? Right? There's this word sorrow here, and it's not just a fleeting sadness. It is a, like, all the day I'm going to feel this sorrow. Um, what do we do when we have these intense negative emotions that we don't know what to do with? Um, right? You notice I just labeled that negative, um, which is also interesting that we do that. There's this quote by Fred Rogers, um, yes, the same guy who did Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, um, that I love so much. I think it's brilliant. He says, there's no should or should not when it comes to having feelings. They're part of who we are, and their origins are beyond our control. When we can believe that, we might find it easier to make constructive choices about what to do with those feelings. This is really what lament is doing, is it's saying that God actually says this and feels this way about our feelings. He wants us to bring those to him. He's saying they are fully accepted and welcomed into my presence. Bring them with you. And in doing that, there is something that will take place in you. There's something helpful about that. There's something powerful and transformative about that. Right, so this complaint here, when we bring our complaints to God, when we bring our pain and really voice it in some type of real complaint, um, in the context of lament, this is not just complaining, okay? This is crying out to God in prayer, um, even with some gut-wrenching honesty. Psalm 13 I, I like this one and picked it because it's nice and short. It's only six verses long. It's easy for us to see the basic pattern of lament. 
and kind of wrap our heads around it. If you go look at other laments in the Bible, um, they get even more intense. Like this, and that, this one's actually just an intro. This one is, is kind of tame. If you really look at them, there, there is some gut-wrenching honesty there. Um, okay, so before we move on to verse three, I just want to slow down again and point out the speed of this psalm. This is a, a short psalm, right? So it's easy for us to just move through it really quickly and go, okay, we got that, we got that, now move on to the next thing. And it's kind of, it, it almost gives this impression that David somehow just moved from this real pain, crying out to God, these real questions, and then all of a sudden he is going to start praising God. And that feels weird. That seems strange. How does that happen? Um, don't let the, uh, the brevity of this psalm make you think that these moves through lament are quick and easy, right? They're not. This is a song, right? Um, th- this is a song that God's people would be singing all together, right? Songs are lyrical. They're repetitive. Um, and when you sing a song, there's multiple themes going on, right? And those themes are interwoven together and kind of coexist together. Um, so when you look at a, a lament like this and you're trying to figure out how would I do this, um, we're not just trying to move our hearts super quickly past our pain. Let's just say it real quick and then let's get to the part that feels better. Um, I think the, the lament here is actually giving us permission to, to slow down and to wrestle with it. Wrestle with our pain. Engage with God right there in it. Right, just look at the questions that are being asked here. How long, oh Lord? Right, like, it seems like this has been going on for a little while. Right, it's not like David just started feeling this yesterday and now he's singing this psalm and now all of a sudden he's gonna just be past all that sorrow. This has been going on for a little bit. So, um, Lament is not just a formula that we quickly go through that, oh, if I just pray this prayer and say these things and do this, I'll get past my pain and then suddenly just be able to worship God. It's not quite how it works. We actually want to slow down and wrestle. So what happens now is once David does this, right, once he um, brings his real pain to God, something starts to shift here. In verse 3, um, he, he makes a direct request to God, right? He says, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. I need you to do this, otherwise it's gonna be really bad for me, right? Otherwise things are gonna go horrible for me. I need you to intervene, God. I need you to do something. And David is really bold here in how he just directly asks God for something. Um, and I think this takes vulnerability to do this, right? There's, there's a vulnerability in depending on God like this, right? David knows, I, he's like, I can't control everything. I can't make this better. God, I need you to come do something. I need you to help. I need you to deliver me. I need you to intervene. The very act of saying this out loud, this directly to God, starts to move us out of self-sufficiency. And also, it starts to move us um, from our complaint to start focusing on God a little bit, right? What happens is, it's not that our complaint and our real questions for God go away. They're still here. but, But as we turn to request and ask God something directly, 
um, the main frame of our focus starts to shift a little bit. It's not just on our complaint. It's now, God, I, I need you to do something. Um, you, if you are who you say you are, if your promises are true, like I need you to show up. And it starts to shift the focus to God and his character and the kinds of things that he does, the kinds of things he has shown his people over and over again that he does. And that shift starts to happen here. It, it moves out of the, like the why of complaint, like why is this happening to me, Lord, to the who, right, of request. And then as that happens, something happens inside of David. And, he, and we get to verse five, right? And he, he proclaims this, um, otherworldly um, trust in God right in the midst of his pain, right? His questions have not been answered here. There's not like a, here's why this all happened or here's when I'm going to intervene or here's the, none of that is here yet. And somehow, right in the midst of it, David's heart starts to change, and he, and he proclaims this trust in God. If we don't get to trust, we're not lamenting. We might be complaining, we might be crying out, we might be hurting, um, and I'm not trying to shame any of us when we're in that place, but if like, we're never getting to a spot of trust, that's not the same thing as lament. Lament is a more full process that helps to lead us towards God. Right? Like if, we, if we're not careful, we will just very easily get stuck in our complaints. Um, it's hard to get out of them. Um, and I know that from personal experience. It's hard when you're there to like keep moving and to get out of that, especially when you're really going through it. Um, or we can like just be so intent on our request to God that then we almost like in a way try to hold him hostage to like what we request him to do. God, I, you better do this. Like, please do this. If you don't do this, and then we don't know where to go from there. We don't know how to get past that. We got to get to trust somehow. And on some level, right, trust is a choice. Like, I... I can't make any of you trust God. I can't say anything to you that's gonna make you do it. Like, we can't, like, read enough Bible verses to get you to do it. We can't sing enough songs. We can't, like, there's no way that we can produce this in each other. Um, something's gotta happen within us, and we're gonna have to choose to, tr to trust. Um, now, this is not just um, ignoring our pain or, or moving past it too fastly. Um, what this really is, is it's, it's starting to remember who God is, right? That, that he is love and that he is worthy of our trust, that he's done things to demonstrate his trustworthiness to us. It helps us to remember. And, and when we start to remember, then there's like this new confidence that starts welling up within us, a, a confidence not in ourselves, right, not in our circumstances getting better, but a confidence that God is doing something in the world and his salvation is coming. 
And there's a mystery to this, frankly. This is hard to explain how this happens, um, but it does. Uh, there's a line from uh, a song by Andy Squires. If you have not heard Andy Squires' um, album, Poet Priest, you really need to. Like, go download it right now. It's, like, so good and worth your time. He's got a, a line in one of his songs that says, somehow, always feeling what eyes could not see. Somehow, and, and if you hear the song that it's in, there's a lot of lament and a lot of hurt and a lot of stuff in this song, and he, just, he, is, he is marveling that somehow in all of that, his heart still finds a way to, to sense what his eyes can't see. When we start to remember God's goodness, when we start to sing to him um, and rejoice in him, when we start doing this, uh, this refocuses us. And actually, this refocusing starts to do something to our brains. Like there are like different neural pathways that start forming in our brains as we start doing this. The act of saying these things to God and singing to God and choosing of, Lord, I'm gonna trust you somehow. Even though I don't feel it right now, I'm still gonna trust you. I'm still gonna somehow do this. When we do that, it really starts to do something in our brains and in our hearts. Um, right? Lament is a practice. Um, it's a verb. It's something we do over and over again, and it transforms us as we do it, right? What it does is it starts producing like a kind of resilience in us, um, right? This, this ability to adapt to difficult circumstances and bounce back in the face of adversity, like lament is a practice that develops these kinds of qualities in us. So this is not just us persevering. This is not just us enduring and getting through it. This is us Yes, enduring, but like growing as we endure. Something in us is happening. Something is being produced in us. As Andrew Peterson says in one of his songs, somehow this sorrow is shaping my heart like it should. Somehow. There, there's mystery again here. So let me be really clear here, right? I am not saying that like this is the reason why God allows us to suffer. Um, like, yes, I do think in our suffering, when we bring it to God, this is producing something really powerful within us and, and makes us into certain kinds of people. But like, I'm not God, and I'm not sitting here trying to pretend to like understand the depths of the mystery of like God and our suffering and how that works. Um, I don't think we actually know really clear answers on some of that. Um, and I would encourage us to really refrain from trying to over-explain this to people, especially when they're hurting. Um, but I still think it's worth pointing out um, that lament is like productive, like it's doing something in us. Right, if our deepest pains and doubts, right, like consider this with me, if our deepest pains and doubts can somehow result in confidence in God, praise, worship, rejoicing, loving him, and then starting to love other people better? Like if our deepest pains and doubts can somehow result in that, like who can stand against us? Like what can happen to us? What can you do? What, what can anyone do to us that would 
defeat us. I mean, like, could we die? Well, yeah. Like, the, the worst horrible amount of suffering can happen. And yet, even somehow in our death, somehow in our, um, and I'm not just speaking metaphorically of spiritual death here. I mean, like, what if we, like, physically die? What if we are, right, the early church knew what to do with this, right? They were, like, some of them were killed for following Jesus. Like, But the gospel continued to spread because, like, you couldn't, you couldn't do enough. You, you couldn't, like, defeat these people. Like, even in their death, like, the, the gospel of Jesus was, like, being proclaimed and, and people were coming to faith and, like, people's lives were being transformed. Um, if you, I mean, have you ever put yourself in the shoes of, like, um, one of the, like, Roman rulers who was trying to, like, stop the apostle Paul from doing what he was doing? Right, you like beat this guy and leave him for dead outside of a town and he gets back up and keeps going. Um, you put him in prison and he's just gonna start singing and convert all your prison guards. You, uh, like there's nothing you can do to really like defeat this when we know what to do with it. Lament is the practice. Lament is the thing that helps us move through whatever our pain is and helps us still walk with God and know him and love him. Now, this is not, um, right, this does result in joy, right? You see this word rejoicing here? Uh, My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. There's a kind of resilient joy, I think, that really um, we get to here. And this joy is not like triumphant optimism. And it's not just positive feelings all the time. I think it's actually something deeper, um, right, as legitimate and as real as our emotions are, which I hope you've heard from me this morning, like our emotions are not, um, like this kind of joy and faith in God is not fully dependent on our emotions. Um, and I think this joy can actually coexist with our sorrow. Um, and we see this most like poignantly in Jesus. Um, he is called a man of all sorrows um, and one acquainted with grief. Um, there's a lot of places we could turn to in the Gospels, in the life of Jesus to show this. Um, Gethsemane, right, is one of the most obvious ones. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane the night before he's about to be betrayed and be crucified and all this is gonna happen. Um, and he, he cries out to his father. Um, and he even tells his three disciples who are with him, he says, I need you to pray with me because like, my soul is sorrowful even to the point of death. Like the amount of sorrow that I am going through right now is so intense. It's like I'm like at the point of death. Um, and then we get to the cross, right? And we actually hear Jesus um, cry out the first verse of Psalm 21, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's lamenting. He's crying out. And if you like know the rest of Psalm 22, um, you'll know that like, oh, there's a whole lot more going on here than just this question. Um, Jesus is proclaiming this and he is lamenting, right, on the cross. He is showing us what it means to be human, what it means to suffer. And he's doing this with joy, right? Hebrews 12 says this very, like, explicitly here. Um, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy 
that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Um, are you, like, are you, is this telling me, right? Are you, what, my, my natural question here is, like, wait, are you telling me that Jesus did not experience sorrow on the cross? That he didn't experience anguish on the cross? That he just felt joyful? Well, no, of course he felt, like, he was going through it. Like, he was, we can't even imagine the amount of suffering he was going through. And yet, there was still some kind of real joy going through the entire event, the entire thing that allowed him to endure. And here's why I love bringing up Jesus here. Um, right, God doesn't just tolerate our laments. He doesn't just give us language for how to do it. He doesn't just welcome it and say, here, do it. This is good for you. Like, God also enters into our lament. He knows what it's like to lament. He knows what that feels like, to need to do that. He understands our pain. Like, he actually does. And he's inviting us, via lament, to be with him in our pain and in our questions. So I want to leave us real quick with just a couple of encouragements as we're walking away from this. Um, right, the first one is what I was just getting at, which is, um, this is not all on us to figure out. Okay, God is actually like doing this in us and is helping us do this. Right, he enters into our lament with us. So we don't have to, um, when we're trying to figure out, how do I do this? How do I practice lament? How do I like, okay, we, we don't have to be experts on this. We don't have to know what to say all the time. Um, God helps us. Um, let's, for example, let's just use the words that God's already provided. That's why I walked through Psalm 13. Like you can take a psalm like this um, memorize it um, and start to ruminate on it. Um, start to let it sink in. Um, internalize the, the pattern and the rhythm of this. Let it start to shape and reimagine your prayers, right? Um, it's not a formula, right? So personalize it. Make it your own. Like echo the words of Psalm 13, maybe one line at a time, but then like put it in your own words to express really where you are and how you feel and how you would naturally really say this to God. Let the words of the psalm lead you. God is already like providing for us and helping us do this. Um, but also, right, um, the Spirit um, is helping us do this. Right, the Holy Spirit is helping us. Um, Romans 8 talks about how when we are groaning inwardly with God and all of creation, um, that the Spirit helps us when we don't know what to pray, is interceding for us and helping us pray even when we don't know how to do it. Right? God is with us and helps us. So you don't need to go figure out how to be an expert on this. Um, let God just help you. Um, the second thing here as we finish is, right, I wonder how this can like shape our conversations with each other. Um, like I wonder if we start to, if we were to do this, right, which this is what it's gonna require is us actually doing this. Like lament is a practice, something you have to do over and over for you to experience its effect and benefit. If, we're, if we do this and we familiarize ourselves and, and internalize this pattern and rhythm of lament, like I wonder, um, 
how we would listen to each other. Like, can we, is there a way, um, and I'm kind of exploring this out loud with you. I don't have all the answers for this, but I just wonder how we can listen to each other in a way that is honest, right? It is validating and honest about the pain that the other person feels. But then also somehow, like, helps, encourages, move towards God somehow. Um, right, I, I would encourage us to listen to each other, not just preach at each other, right, which is why I use the word listen on purpose. But I wonder if there's a, a way to listen that could be really helpful for us, that lament could really offer us in our lives of community together. Um, It's kind of the beginning of a new, new year. I know we're three weeks into 2024. Um, but here in January, um, you know, Brandon just said, here, preach on whatever you want to preach on. Right? There's no direction. And this is what I think could be most helpful to us, is lament. I think it can actually be life-giving to us this year. Will you join me in it? Let's pray together. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, get coffee with a pastor or visit us on a Sunday, then go to redemptionhou.com. And please know today that you are fully loved and fully accepted just the way you are. We hope to hear from you soon.